Evidence and Answers. Buddhism, that seemingly mystical religion. What do Buddhists believe? And how can Christians effectively share Christ with their Buddhist friends and family members? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is a popular teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Here at Evidence and Answers, Pat has provided a wide assortment of different resources for you and your personal study, from audio messages to books and even articles. Many are from noted Christian scholars from here in the United States. Head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Let's tune in now as Pat gives practical ways to effectively communicate the gospel to our Buddhist friends in the conclusion of this fabulous message. We'll continue in our study on Buddhism. Last time, we talked about the brief history of Buddhism and its development and some of the basic doctrines of Buddhism. And today, we're going to talk about salvation or attaining enlightenment in Buddhism. And then we're going to talk briefly about how to effectively share Christ with our friends and family members who are followers of Buddhist teaching. Well, in Buddhism, remember the key struggle that Buddha had was the answer of pain and suffering. How do we escape the pain and suffering that we experience in the world around us? To exist means to experience pain and suffering. Well, according to Buddhism, mankind's problem is this. The majority of mankind is unenlightened and they think that this material world is real when true reality, as we talked last time, is an illusion. This material world is simply an illusion. But unenlightened man thinks that this material world is real and so they become attached to physical life and the things of this world which is impermanent. Therefore, that's what brings pain and suffering because these are temporary and eventually loved ones die, relationships part, material things fade away. That's what causes pain and suffering. So the key to enlightenment, the key to escaping pain and suffering is to let go of everything, complete detachment from this material world. Remember, all existence is impermanent. It is an illusion. And behind the illusion is nothing. So once we see that everything is impermanent, we're not going to get attached to anything. So enlightenment or salvation comes when one realizes his place of the non-self in the void. And all attachments have been overcome. And we detach from the rest of this world and then we shall enter into the state of enlightenment and nirvana. Now, Buddha taught that everything is in a rebirth cycle or the cycle of samsara. One continues to return to this life, continues in that cycle of rebirth, and it is until one removes all attachment from this world is that process broken. As long as you remain attached, to things in this world, people and objects and things, you're going to keep coming back. And you don't want to keep coming back. Okay? Rebirth is not a good thing because you're going to experience pain and suffering again and again and again. And Gautama, or the Buddha, believed that he had discovered the way to break the cycle 
and that comes through accepting the Four Noble Truths and following the Eightfold Path. Well, the Four Noble Truths, Noble Truth number one, there exists pain and suffering in the world. To exist means that you will experience pain and suffering. They are omnipotent forces in all of nature. All through life, all through your existence, one experiences pain and suffering. Buddha wrote this, Now this, monks, is the noble truth of pain. Birth is painful. Old age is painful. Sickness is painful. Death is painful. Sorrow, lamentation, dejection, and despair are painful. Contact with unpleasant things is painful. Not getting what one wishes is painful. In other words, to exist in a conscious existence is to experience pain and suffering. So why would you want to keep coming back to this world to experience that again and again? Noble truth number two. The root of suffering is desire or attachment to things of this world. It's selfish desires for pleasure, cravings that can never be satisfied, or attachments that are rooted in the unenlightened mind. And suffering will cease. This is noble truth number three. When one's desires or attachments to this world cease must cease all desires and attachments to the impermanent things of this world. And that will help you break the cycle of rebirth. Otherwise, you'll keep continuing. As long as you keep attached to the impermanent material world, you're going to keep coming back in that cycle of rebirth. And noble truth number four, what Buddha taught, you extinguish all desires by following the Eightfold Path. Now, a good example of this Buddhist teaching was seen in the movie Star Wars. Remember, George Lucas is a Buddhist, and Star Wars was really a movie of his spiritual journey. And if you remember in Star Wars, Anakin Skywalker, before he turns over to the dark side, he's secretly married to his wife Padme. And he has visions of her suffering and possibly dying and these visions are disturbing him and so he goes to the master Jedi Yoda and he says he's ex he's being tormented by visions of pain and suffering and Yoda says are these visions of someone close to you and he says yes and Yoda says be careful Anakin attachment leads to jealousy jealousy leads to fear and to the dark side and so Anakin asks Yoda what must he do and Yoda says, release yourself, let go of everything you hold dear. Well, that's Buddhism, okay? to detach from this material world. That's why the true Buddhist lives as a monk. All that he owns is his orange robe, his walking staff, and a begging bowl. And that's all that he has. He doesn't marry, he doesn't have a family, he doesn't have a house. Everything that he owns, you know, it's that orange robe, that walking staff, and that begging bowl. And he lives a solitary life. Okay? And if you look at Star Wars, how did the Jedi live? They were like the ideal enlightened ones, right? Well, they lived solitary lives. They didn't marry. It was dangerous for them to marry. The reason Anakin turned to the dark side is because he got attached to people. And they just represent, you know, the ideal spiritually enlightened one well that's a reflection of the buddhist the ideal enlightened being lives a solitary life all alone okay? meditating day and night on the buddhist scriptures traveling the world teaching 
but owning nothing, complete detachment from the world. Well, how does one extinguish all desires? Well, it's by following the Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path, number one, having the right views, understand the truths of existence, that the universe, this material world, is impermanent and an illusion. The right resolve, be willing to achieve enlightenment, renounce any thoughts of selfishness, cruelty, and immorality. The right speech, speak only truth and only what is required. Right conduct, abstain from killing, stealing, sexual immorality. Right occupation, your job must benefit others and hurt no one. The right effort, eliminate any evil qualities in you and prevent new ones from arising. The right contemplation, maintain continuous focus, continual focus on the teachings of the Buddha and keep from desire. And the right meditation, meditating properly. Under the Eightfold Path, those eight principles are numerous other rules and regulations for Buddhists to follow. Now, what I went over are key basic doctrines of Buddhism in their original form. As I stated in the history of Buddhism, over a thousand different schools of Buddhism have developed. Some of them have really departed from Buddha's original teachings. Now, there's two major schools of thought. They're called Southern Buddhism and Northern Buddhism, or Southern Buddhism is also called Theravada Buddhism, and Northern Buddhism is called Mahayana Buddhism. And you'll need to recognize the differences between those two because they're very, very different. Theravada is the conservative school. This form of Buddhism traveled south into Southeast Asia. So Thai Buddhism, Buddhism you'll find in Myanmar, Vietnam, most likely would be a form of Theravada Buddhism. Theravada Buddhism is a very conservative school. To truly attain enlightenment and live the Buddhist life, you must be a monk and live the life and accept the vows of a monk. So it's a religion of the monks. They're the only ones who can attain nirvana. And the job of the laity is then to support the monks. Hey, and the monks follow 10 precepts here. Not to take any life, not to steal, not to commit immorality, not to lie, not to touch alcohol, not to eat excess, and not afternoon, not to attend any entertainment, not to dis decorate oneself, not to sleep in high or wide beds, and not to touch any gold or silver. Now the lady follow the first five, but the monks follow all ten, and they spend their day in meditation, begging and caring for the temple. The goal of the monks is to become an arhat, or a holy man, who at death will enter into nirvana. And that's Southern Buddhism. It's the conservative school. Now, the more liberal school, or Northern Buddhism, is called Mahayana, which traveled north into Japan, Korea, Tibet, into the northern sections of Asia. Now, Mahayana is known as the large basket, or the more liberal form of Buddhism, and Mahayana allowed people to attain nirvana without having to become a monk. And it replaced the idea of losing oneself in the nothingness with finding oneself in absolute compassion. Now, what happened as Northern Buddhism went into the north? Northern Buddhism taught that hundreds, thousands of Buddhas have appeared. Southern Buddhism generally taught that Buddha was a man who attained enlightenment. Northern Buddhism began to worship Buddha as a deity, but not only Buddha, but there have been hundreds of Buddhas who have come to earth and 
taught various things. As Buddhism went up into the north, it combined with many of the indigenous and animistic religions of those particular countries. So Chinese Buddhism is a mixture of Buddhism, but also you'll see a lot of the Chinese folk religion intertwined in Buddhism. And so when you go to Chinese temple, you'll see a lot of the folk religion there portrayed in the temple. Japanese Buddhism mixed with the Japanese indigenous religion and Shintoism. Korean Buddhism did the same thing. The Tibet Buddhism mixed with the Bon religion there. And so there was quite a mixture. And many of the gods in these particular religious systems were considered Buddhas who had also visited the earth and gave special knowledge to men and women. And so in Northern Buddhism, you see all kinds of various schools of Buddhism. Tendai Buddhism, Japanese Pure Land Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, all kinds of Buddhism that have blended with a lot of the teachings and the folk religions of the particular area that they entered into. And so when you go to these temples, there are many Buddhas, the Buddha of Prosperity, the Buddha of Children, the Buddha of Healing, you know, on and on, many different kinds of rituals and various beliefs that have been adopted from the folk religion of the area that it went into. Well, how do we share Christ or effectively engage with our Buddhist friends and family members? Well, you know, my dialogues with Buddhists have been some of the most interesting and some of the most fun conversations that I have had. A lot of people who claim to be Buddhists don't really know what Buddhism teaches. And so sometimes you're going to have to just ask them, you know, can you tell me about the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path and see where they're at? Most that I have talked to are, are unable to tell me what the Four Noble Truths is or the Eightfold Path. Many of them have never heard it. So often I have to explain to them what the Four Noble Truths are and what is the Eightfold Path. And then I look at them and say, is this what you believe? You know, it gets them to really begin to think about the particular religious system they claim to adhere to. Many are just cultural Buddhists. You know, that's a lot of the ways it was in the culture I was growing up. You know, that was your heritage. And so, you know, if anyone asks you what your religion were, you just said, well, I'm a Buddhist. You know, unfortunately, it's like that for a lot of people who claim to follow Christ. Right? It's a cultural thing. But if you ask them the do key doctrines of what is the gospel, what is the doctrine of the Trinity, they're just kind of clueless. Okay? Well, many in Buddhism are like that. So you need to find out where they are and, and how much they really know. Next, and I find this really effective. I believe that Jesus, because he is the way, the truth, and the life, he presents a far superior answer to all the great needs and the questions that every man and woman has. And number one, Jesus provides a relationship with the creator of the universe. Now, evidence indicates that we live in a theistic universe in which a personal God exists who created the universe. If you look at the evidence that's out there, and you'll have to go to our shows on the evidence for the existence of God or read our articles on the evidence for God, the fact that the universe has a beginning, the argument from first cause, that there is design in the universe that shows the universe is not eternal, but it has a beginning. But also, design points to an intelligence. And the moral argument that there's a universal moral law all point to the fact that the creator of the universe is a personal being. So we live in a theistic universe. 
And remember, one of the great voids in Buddhism is that God doesn't have a major part in this particular system. It does not provide a way to have a personal relationship with God. And Jesus provides the way to an eternal relationship, a personal relationship with God. That's a huge void in Buddhism. And so to be able to share that the God of the universe descended from heaven, died upon a cross for our sins to make a personal relationship with the creator of the universe possible. That's huge in Buddhism because that is a big void there. And that will intrigue many of the Buddhists who you're speaking with. Secondly, Jesus provides the best answer to the answer of pain and suffering. Remember in Buddhism, Buddha's quest was to discover how does one escape from the cycle of pain and suffering. And Buddha's answer was to detach from the world. Well, I believe, and one of the reasons Buddhism holds a lot of people in bondage is that is an inhumane, very cruel kind of answer to detach from people and, and this world. You know, Buddha thus calls us to deny reality and to deny our humanity. I think this is an inhumane message and one void of true hope. Since there is a God who created us in his image, we're made for relationship with God and to experience a love relationship with God, but also with one another. And to say we must detach from those kind of things, I think is a very cruel kind of message that really denies the essence of our humanity. I remember talking to a couple from Thailand who were Buddhists, and they understood the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, and they were married. And I said, do you love one another? And they said, well, yes. And I said, does love make you more human or is it detaching from one another? No self, detachment from this world and the relationships of this world. And they thought about it for a while. And I said, love makes you more human. Love is the greatest thing we can experience because that is how God created us. You know, that really caught their attention. You know, Christianity teaches that we live in a fallen world of sin, and that's why we face pain and suffering. But God, instead of detaching himself and said, hey, good luck, guys. I hope you guys can figure it out. He left heaven and entered into our world of pain and suffering and suffered alongside us and suffered the cruel penalty of sin upon the cross. And by conquering sin and death, conquered evil and made it possible to live a victorious life in this world. And so for the Christian, pain and suffering have a place for the Christians. James chapter 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face trials of all kinds, knowing what? That they produce character and to make us more like Christ. God uses the difficult times to build our character to become more like Him. And because... God is in control of all things. Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He uses something that can be tragedy and turns it into a triumph for the sake of Jesus Christ. Something like the cross that was so tragic, that seemed so evil, God used it for the greatest triumph, overcoming sin and death. And in the end, Pain and suffering and cease will come to an end. We live in a just universe in which one day evil shall be judged. The righteous shall be rewarded. Creation shall be restored. And that 
I believe is a much more powerful and greater message of hope than what Buddhism can offer, detachment from this world, which is a denial of our humanity and a denial of reality. I think that's a much more powerful message. And the great thing about it, that message is a message of truth. It's not just blind faith or leap in the dark. It's a message that's built upon the evidence. What? Well, number three, that Jesus is victorious over sin and death. Buddha died. His grave is in northern India. But Jesus conquered sin and death. The resurrection is one of the best documented ancient historical events. We've got compelling evidence that Jesus was a real historical person who claimed to be the Son of God, confirmed it through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. And the resurrection demonstrates Jesus is the Son of God, the author of life, and the way to eternal, everlasting life. So our hope rests upon the historical person of Jesus Christ and the historical event of the resurrection. And next, Jesus then provides forgiveness. Buddha could not provide forgiveness from sin or bad karma. He could only hope to show people the way. But Jesus Christ conquered sin and death and paid the price for sin and conquered sin and death through his resurrection, making the forgiveness of sins and a relationship with a holy God possible. And finally, we can show that Christ is superior to Buddha. Not only to Buddha, but to any other religious person or historical figure that has been upon the earth. Jesus Christ claimed to be the divine Son of God and confirmed his claim through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. He didn't just claim it. He demonstrated it. Buddha was a man. Most Buddhists know in the earliest scriptures, Buddha never claimed to be divine. Buddha was a man. And Buddha did no miracles over nature. Buddha died. He's buried in northern India today. You can go visit his grave. But Jesus Christ confirmed his claim to be the divine Son of God through his sinless, miraculous life, death, and resurrection. Jesus claimed to be the way to eternal life. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Buddha claimed to be one who thought he could show the way. Jesus Christ was sinless. He lived a sinlessly perfect life. Buddha cannot claim that, nor can anyone else. He struggled with sin and moral imperfection. Jesus confirmed his claims and authority over creation through his miracles. Buddha did not do any. Finally, Jesus rose from the dead. Buddha remains in the grave there in northern India. And so you do a study on the two men, and in every way, Jesus Christ is greater than Buddha. And he demonstrated that through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. And so Jesus Christ gives us not only the truth, but a far superior answers to the great questions of life and to the needs of all men, our relationship with God, forgiveness of sin, and the hope of eternal life, which he accomplished through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. And so, present that to, you know, there are many ways to share Christ with your Buddhist friends. I'm just giving you one which I use, which I have found to be very effective. Well, I hope the information that I shared equips you 
to engage your Buddhist friends and family members with love, integrity, and intelligence. And he be a very effective tool in the hands of the Holy Spirit as he uses you to share Christ with those in Buddhism and in other religious systems. And so for more information, go to Evidence and Answers and read our articles there on Buddhism and the defense of Christianity and really get equipped to engage the lost world for Jesus Christ. Thanks for sharing this time with me. I look forward to being with you again here on Evidence and Answers. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. Today's message concludes this study. To listen again, head on over to our website at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you would like to partner with us, please start with prayer. And then to donate, log on to our website at evidenceandanswers.org. Join us here next time or on the web for more evidence and answers. Evidence and Answers.